CLS is go for main engine, start. Go at throttle up. Negative return. Then we see a nominal Miko. Welcome to space. Happy Thursday, everybody. Hey. It's Thursday. Jake, I have hey, a question hey. for you. If you, you had a question for if me. you had somebody uh, last minute guest schedule conflict, uh, <laughs> what type of reporter would you immediately call to see if they are uh, available within twelve hours? <laughs> I would call the one who has at least two phones. That's what the I would one do. With two phones that does live TV hits all the time. That's what I would do. Yeah. <laughs> the most available person who just drops everything on the drop of a hat. Yeah. Well, and this importantly, is, this like is the kind of pull we have, really, when you get down there, you know. <laughs> And just just call up CNBC and get a guy, right? The only reason yeah. this worked is that all the earnings calls have already happened. Yes, <laughs> it truly is. Yeah. Well, and so you're running into this fortunate situation where we're in a gap between them because we have all the like ones who are doing kind of you know pretty solid city, unpredict you know fairly predictable uh, results right now. Who they all report in the last two weeks, and then we have like the ones who are like we're going to report Q4 earnings during Q2. So there's, you know, there's a different dynamic right now. Because we may or may not be out of business by then. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, this is Michael Sheets, by the way. We didn't do the full intro, Jake. No, we Welcome didn't. Back. No. Michael, and and just to guys, clear the air, back. Jake does not have a vendetta against Sheets. No, uh, no, having no. Having not shared the airwaves with him previously. Uh, it took a lot of calls for me to convince Jake to show up today. Um, yeah, but yeah. he finally relented and he said, you know what? I'll show my face on the same screen as you. You know, it won't be, you know, as angry Gotta as keep your I enemies really closer. feel. You know how it is, right? <laughs> Anything yes, for a yes. drink. Anything for a drink. So, no, I'm Anything excited. For a drink. I, I, Speaking of. I was like pretty, I was pretty sad that I missed actually the last Ooh. couple episodes with you. So uh, I'm excited to Jake, see how it goes. Brought, yeah. What do you got? He brought some game today too. I, he did. Yeah. This is a I'm Jake a little... one upper. Look at this. The whole scene <laughs> is set. He's got drapes. What kind of, what is, is this a French 75? What is this? Uh, this is a classic gin martini with some dry nice. vermouth uh, and a lemon twist. I'm not an olive guy. Uh, sorry to the listeners who are olive people. Um, my Italian <laughs> wife uh, is very much an olive person, so she consumes all the household's olives. Uh, so we're taken care of there. Don't worry. The Sheets household is steady as far as olive consumption goes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is a classic gin martini. Generally, for something like this, I probably would have gone with like a you know crisp IPA. We've got some great local brews here in Brooklyn. Uh, that I would have picked up. However, uh, with the week that it's been, felt something a little stronger. Mm, I like it. <laughs> I like it. That's good energy to start the show. I like yeah. it. <laughs> I have a whole He's box got, of wine. So a- Anthony has different kinds of good energy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going for quantity. <laughs> It's the same like the brand or <laughs> Oh, it's Boda Box. I think Boda Box of all the box wines is the best one, uh, especially because they leave their boxes as regular cardboard rather than like making it, you know, a, a nice finish. Why try <laughs> so, to? Like yeah. you already are accepting where you are. Just like one color print on top of cardboard is where I'm at with the Boda Box. <laughs> it's actually pretty good, though. So good. I recommend good. it. The Cabernet Sauvignon of all of the boxes. That's a good one to go with. Nice. I have um I have something today that looks like Michael's but is actually like Anthony's. So this is uh, <laughs> a fancy looking looking cocktail. You know, I got a little maraschino in there. It's a Ooh, nice kind nice. of color. Uh, but this is just the juices in the rum I had. So, <laughs> <laughs> and what juices in which rum? I think there's like a little bit of uh, uh, pineapple, coconut, and then I think it's Captain Morgan's white rum. And nice. some, I think I, th- I threw some um, amaretto in it too, just to give it a little bit of a wow. Sweet I'll take you on a little switch, quick tour. Wow. Um, my my wife prefers uh, some Blanton's bourbon, so we have regular Blanton's and Blanton's gold. But then I am personally a, a rum drinker myself, so that's uh, some Grand Chairman's Reserve spiced rum. That's my mm-hmm. favorite drink of choice to have neat. So I'm I'm right there with you on the rum kick, man. Like it's uh, <laughs> you, it just it makes everybody happy. Yours is slight, slightly classier than my Captain Morgan's, though. <laughs> well, there, hey, there's some silver in there and underneath the cabinet. Don't worry. <laughs> okay, good, good. <laughs> that stays oh, man, inside. Okay. That one doesn't go out on the nice display that no, no, shows no, no. In, in tours like that. All right. Well, 
Oh, where What's do we going start? On? <laughs> <laughs> I liked uh, when we hurriedly invited Michael on the show. Uh, the best part was your email back, which was like, I would love to talk about earnings calls with heavy air quotes around <laughs> earnings. Uh, <laughs> what has been your, your highlight I, of the week? Gone, I've uh, had a tendency to call them results as opposed to earnings. Um, because that's the gist of where we are. I mean, I personally, I've kind of been like, I'm leaving the whole, like, all oh, these are space backs behind idea. And now it's, a, we're in a mode of like survival. It's like, how good are your results? Like the projections for everyone were all crazy. Everyone got sued by shareholders and for, <laughs> you know, misleading people. And like, there was just all that spat craziness. But I'm like, we can't keep living in that as if that's the reality of today. And for most of these companies, it's now about executing and about showing, you know, okay, we can actually, you know, drive revenue. We can decrease our quarterly earnings, you know, our quarterly losses start to, you know, have an edge towards profitability. Oh, here's the different markets we're delving into. Here's how development's going. Here's the funds that we can actually raise now in the marketplace. So that's the story I'm trying to tell as much as everything. So uh, as much as the earnings thing is kind of a joke, it's like, yeah, let's let's get to like the earnings, please. Yeah. <laughs> and they're a ways off. I mean, there's also like, yeah, the the survival. Yeah, it's a, it's really interesting because there's different classes. There's like. The Rocket Labs that we all feel pretty good about, and it's the most interesting note there is like launch versus everything else and what's making money. And then there's the other end, which is the Virgin Orbits that are like teetering on the edge. And then there's Intuitive Machines, which is essentially GameStop in the last month. Like what, <laughs> Whatever happened with that uh, is bizarre. I looked into that one a little bit, and I mean, I, I got a comment from the company when I saw the stock was at like 120 or something dollars a share. Uh, and, you know, I I wish I had a great answer for you guys. Uh, I would have reported if I had a great answer <laughs> on what happened there. Uh, it's down back towards where they debuted at. And I think that's about probably right for the stock and, and moving forward. Uh, you know, people need to get a sense of like, how much they can actually deliver moving forward and let them like settle into it. Being a public company is not an easy uh, change. It's a really big transition. Uh, changes so much, even just for your own employees as a company. So yeah, that's uh, I, I'm glad to see it settled down a little bit. <laughs> I assume it like caught on TikTok or something. Like I, I don't know. I mean, I, I looked around at like discords. I looked around at like, is there a cash tag that they're like, interpreting it as a crypto coin on accident like i i looked into like anything like is there someone who's like buying and arbitrage trading this like really strongly i i Nothing didn't notable. find a definitive answer i i think there probably is a, a good and maybe very fascinating answer behind it but like hmm. i don't have one for you guys today i love that crypto was high up your list of like <laughs> Dude, this has I, to be a crypto this is thing exactly what happens with crypto though. this is precisely like yeah. a bunch of people will trigger a bunch of buys the price strikes and then the, the first people that started it bail out and they take the money and it's like it's this awful cycle that they do sometimes right, right? And that's kind of what i was what worried about like. i was like yeah. is this that scenario happening and and maybe Maybe it was, but I, I can't tell you. Pump and dump. That's what they call it. <laughs> God. Uh, <laughs> please, let's not pump and dump space stocks, guys. I had like enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I know I know a few few uh, um, nooks and crannies of the space community that would be into that kind of thing. So um, I wouldn't be super surprised if, if there was a, some weird subsect of like space fans that were like, we can really drive this. And yeah, I don't know. Oof, okay. The Intuitive huh. Machines thing in particular, though, is like another level, just to close out the SPAC thread here. Uh, yeah. You know, the original SPAC heyday, we all were like, I don't know, like this company's not doing anything yet. And no one has any idea when, like, you know, Astra, notably a good example, Virgin Orbit, notably a good example, where it seemed like the the actual money making part of this, the high point, the revenue growth was like way off in the distance. And then they took it to moon landers, which is like, that's there's maybe one or two a year that are going to fly. And they're maybe going to not lose a ton of money on the initial missions. And it's, is there any explainable uh, reasoning here in your eyes as to 
as to anything other than they were out of all other fundraising mechanisms and this was the last one left <laughs> like not to be harsh but like is there any other legitimate answer to intuitive machines go and spec i think that one is the fundraising thing makes the most sense it, it not only gets you funds now and like helps you know the the folks on the inside currently but also gives you some more flexibility moving forward um, I was surprised, to be honest. I mean, I wrote about this in one of my first newsletters last year about like just kind of the questions that were being asked. Um, but I think on the flip side of like the question I have for you know Intuitive Machines' future is, can you find more customers than NASA for this as a like solid revenue stream? If you look at their like pitch decks and even their more recent presentations and stuff, like it's NASA all over the place. And granted, like yeah, the people and a lot of the know-how come from a NASA background. So of course they understand that more than anything else. But I think if you really want this to be like a, a successful stock and, and you have to be delivering not just one customer's payloads to the moon, but a variety of customers' payloads and you need to be doing it frequently. And that's, I, I think it's still an open question until they actually fly a single mission. And so, you know, that's, that's jury's completely out there. Yeah. I mean, the, the moon lander one is even just like the extreme example of, of why I thought the rockets were a weird idea to SPAC. Like, you know, when, like when Astro was launching stuff after they had gone SPAC and it was like the price, like you could just see the oh price my gosh. Like, literally <laughs> go up with altitude on the rocket. Like it was like a linear and then move it back down again. And, and, you know, I'm thinking like, you really just, it seems so strange to have a, a public stock on something where the revenue points are so acute, you know, like it's like, Bloop, you get some money on and this like on this week and then you go like you gotta live off that for a quarter and then like okay and some other money comes in um and the moon landers like the it's even worse than that like you know intuitive machine you're gonna fly like twice a year is like your plan right now you're not gonna achieve that for a while uh it, it's tough i don't know i i can't quite figure it out <laughs> I, I would say that if you want you guys wanted to like really dive into the historical parallels of like um I'm not, well, I don't want to, it's not, space is not niche, but like the idea of volatility or surrounding a development technology uh, and from a stocks perspective, go look back at like the biotech stocks and even to this day, you know, how biotech stocks trade around the results and like approvals of their drugs and pharmaceuticals and everything else. Like yeah, yeah. you, you're talking about a stock that would be one day $2 and the next day $45 based off of like one lab result. And so the, there's that similar sense of really lumpy volatility where it's make mm -hmm. or break and you've got to show that you can actually pull this thing off. Um, I think one of the most fascinating things, and I think I mentioned it to Anthony last time I was on, was like the trend I noticed, and, and this wasn't like a um, absolute trend or anything like that, but the trend of Going into a launch, you'd see a launch company stock climb like pretty steadily in the days coming up. And then even if it was a success, it would sell off pretty hard the day after. And it, and it I just kept thinking of like the old adage in the, the Wall Street world, which is that you buy the rumor and then you sell the news. Sell the news so once yeah. the announcement's out there, once the rocket's off the pad, you you sell. Like it's okay, cool. That that money is realized, like cool, we're moving forward, and and that was the high point. So uh, I, I think mean, that was shown I, I, by the time Virgin Orbit put a rocket in Times Square, wherever it was. It was I forget if it was by the Bull Statue or something yeah. down in, in the financial district, uh, where it was like the stock was higher then than it was after the the launch the, two days later or whatever. I, so was I was there example. in Times Square for that actually, <laughs> and talking with them. Uh, the work they had to do to get a even a like model rocket into Times Square <laughs> is just insane. Like props to them for, for pulling off. It's a very Virgin Group thing to do to pull off a you know, a marketing uh, uh, piece like that. But I, you know, the, it was so funny because it was like sn gently snowing. You know, you have this very picturesque Times Square and then flat in the middle of it is just a <laughs> rocket sitting there. And it, it was <laughs> kind of bizarre, but like it clearly worked to get people's attention of like, hey, look, we're here. This is our company. This is what we're doing. Yeah, it didn't work long run though. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's just the, the <laughs> nature of the market and, and the nature of like sentimentality and speculation around these things. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. I, that, I think that's the thing that maybe people in the, the industry, you always have to kind of be reminded of is 
that you, the market is a very emotional, like we think we can get more money for this at some point or not. And people betting against that in every possible way or for, or for it. So it's, it's incredibly emotional. It's It can be very speculative and the disconnect, especially in the last few years. And you know, the, my broader CNBC colleagues talk about is the disconnect between reality and like what's happening in say the economy versus what then happens on the stock market. That can just be a cruel reality for some companies that get caught in the crossfire. How does it for, for, you know, intuitive seems maybe a weird example because the um, amount of money that they actually raised out of this doesn't seem like it's even close to what they were hoping uh, or aiming for when they originally announced. But for companies like that, once they go public, how does that impact their actual workflow, like on a day-to-day level, other than people just checking the stocks app more often? Um, you know, once they get that fundraising happening, what is the actual changes that they see internally about the way they work now that they're a public company? I would say the two ones are the like accounting processes and needing to get everything on board with like proper regulatory procedures and making sure that you're delivering your quarterly results on time and, you know, making announcements and talking about things and like making the right filings at the right times. And like from just a like, back end of the business and telling people at the right, you know, in the right way as you're supposed to, um, that's a huge change. That just affects so much of what you do. It affects how you can tell your employees about things and what you're working on and and when they're going to make announcements and that, that changes things. The other one is that like the whole world gets to see every three months how you're doing and <laughs> it's – and even – employees who maybe might have like been able to guess internally like oh like this business line isn't doing as well or that one's doing better like no you can just see it in the filings and you can match (laughs) your reality of what you're experiencing with what the company is announcing and and so that's that's a huge change then because you can't be telling uh your company one thing internally and then going and telling the market something else externally you get caught out by that um, and we've seen people get caught out by that time and time again, it, not in the space world, but like in the broader industry. So it's 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 a different, harsh day to day reality that you live in because everything's so much more underneath a, a public microscope. I suppose it's uh, a lot better for someone like you, though, like to have all these new space companies like exposing their guts at this <laughs> this really critical phase, right? Because like we we never really got to you know we never got to see what this looked like for SpaceX or Blue Origin or uh, relativity, you know, and even yeah, yeah, like there's there's a lot of like you know mainstay companies now that that didn't have that kind of exposure, and so we have to kind of make guesses as to you know how they were doing and why they were doing well or why they weren't doing well or whatever, right? So this must be just like a great for you this this little back trend everyone goes public trend and now michael's got job security so <laughs> oh my yeah i it like i gotta admit that it makes my life much more interesting and i think gives me a lot more like you said look into what they're doing i yeah. i'll give you a, a very concrete example of that which is that if i'm interviewing a private company and i ask them anything related to their financials how's your revenue you know when do you want when do you think you can be profitable like even generic broad questions like that right they never have to answer me no. there's no if if they're not going to be profitable for 7 years they can be like eh. We're not going to answer space that. is going to be and, a 1 trillion dollar industry and then by 2030 <laughs> hey, like, you okay. can take that up with bank of america or any somebody else I, i'm not yeah uh, but like no i uh the the real like juicy tidbit of it all is the disclosure of it is the fact that you know i've got 10k filings on my laptop open right now from different companies which are the big annual reports where they it's like so in depth it's hundreds of pages typically and it tells you even more than what like a quarterly report might uh, and those ones like give me access to information and little stuff that maybe I wouldn't report on, but help me understand a little bit more about the company in ways that like they never would have had to told me before. And then if I go on and interview an executive after one of their calls, like I can be very pointed about like, hey, your quarterly you know loss was bigger in Q4 than Q3. Why was that? 
Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. like they have an incentive to answer like because the numbers are there out in public. So if they don't answer it, it, it can look a lot worse. So it, it's, it's a very much, it changes the perception. It changes the dialogue. And it, I, and I'm always like any transparency, more transparency is always better for my job as a reporter. I know the um the 10Ks are really fun because they have that big section right at the beginning that's like risks, you know, where they have to like they're like <laughs> obliged to to like say every possible thing yeah, that like could go wrong with their business. Winds, wayward boats. I know yeah, I, I read a um, fog cumulative cloud yeah. rule. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. I remember and, back and when my I was favorite like, ones are all no oh, go ahead. I was going to say back when I was looking, I dabbled in stocks a while ago. I don't know, a few years ago <laughs> once. And, and, um, <laughs> I dabbled uh, in stocks a while ago. I did. I a did, Jake I Robbins did. story. When we- <laughs> I, don't, I, don't buy, I don't buy individual stocks anymore. But anyway, um, I, when I did, I remember reading a few of those. And I remember looking at, at Netflix at one point. I'm like, well, should I buy Netflix? And I opened up that 10K. And their risk thing was like like 17 pages. And like it's like one paragraph. And it's just like... We might lose access to this money. We might not have this thing. The internet might stop working. But then, you know, <laughs> like just like like just crazy stuff they have to put on there just as to be, you know, uh, smart people about might it. go was, outside. People might start yeah, exercising yeah, yeah, again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We could lose all of our distributors and have no content. Like it's just like crazy stuff like that. So I imagine the space ones must be so similar. I haven't read of them recently, but like I imagine like the rocket might blow up, the lander might crash. We might not have any revenue for three years. Like you know, <laughs> yeah, customers may lose like confidence in our ability to deliver on time and like those are the benign ones and i like the ones uh that are always interesting are the like um what do you call them? acts of god like risks of like mm-hmm. a yeah. hurricane could destroy our launch facility and it doesn't exist <laughs> anymore and you're like what excuse me <laughs> we, and next one we could destroy our launch facility and it might not exist anymore <laughs> It's like this, or oh, in different man. orders. An, an ABL story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. Yeah. Antares would be a good one, too. Oh, Antares. Oh, yeah. dear. Classic. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. All right. Okay. The the other aspect of the, the companies that are currently public is, you know, we all like to get on the launch side because it's easy to point at Astra and Virgin Orbit and whatnot. But Planet, Black Sky, I'm probably forgetting the other ones that went public in during the, the mayhem, but... There's a list of them. Yeah. Their their stocks are not exactly taken off to any extreme degree either, right? They're all sitting nope. three, four bucks or whatever. Now, I, I'm not a an analyst in this way, but I look at some of those companies and I'm like, that certainly has a lot more of like fundamental value than launch has proven thus far in that there is a, a pretty active market for imagery. It's even getting more so. As we watch like the war in Ukraine prove out the worth of of planet imagery tracking convoys, you know, is there are those in a spot that you feel like they'll eventually turn the corner and start really being legitimate revenue coming in there? Um, Or do they feel like they're still uh, they just feel like a different class to me than the launch startups felt when they went public? I think it's fair to classify them in a different category. I think it's interesting that the launch startups, I mean, like Rocket Lab, for example, the space systems division, ever since they've gone public, has outclassed launch in yeah. revenue. They're not a rocket quarter, company right? anymore. Yeah. yeah, by <laughs> yeah. A lot. I mean, we call them like Rocket a, Lab. A significant like, digit or something. Yeah. Right. It's, <laughs> it's spacecraft lab with a launch vehicle. And yeah. like that, that, it's a great benefit for them, as we've seen with SpaceX and like what happens when you drive costs down by launching your own satellites it helps sell it a lot and you don't lose access to space because say a foreign country invades another foreign country um but i think the interesting di- dilemma that's uh, like i'm kind of watching to see if it happens is the fact that like you know spire just reported this last week um they're public they're trading you know well below their debut price and they just reported they, they're pulling, you know, their subscription revenue, their what they call annual recurring revenue, hit $100 million. I mean, like, that's not inconsequential. Now, granted, mm-hmm. like, how much can they build off of that? How much can they grow that market share? You know, how much can they continue to decrease, um, you know, their, their cash burn each quarter? All those are open questions, and it's it's something that they're clearly working on. But I talked to the, the CFO of Planet while she was here in, in New York in January. I had a great conversation about this exact topic, and she was talking about for how for them, like investor education has been one of the hardest parts about like, hey, look, like 
the, when our revenue goes up our like and the fact that we're not having to launch as many more satellites means that like our margins are improving on the data analytics that we provide and the services we provide and it's it's fascinating to hear like the reason behind a lot of why their investor education was ma- becoming more easy was because like their imagery was being utilized in Ukraine in a lot of different ways and so more investors were coming across planet imagery and seeing like oh hey you know, interesting, like, let's learn about how other ways we can leverage this. And so I think one of the other questions about companies where I'm like, okay, you have a stronger footing, but you're still trading at a low price. Is that like, can you get your message through to investors? Do people start listening to what you're having to say and seeing the potential? And does really, at the end of the day, right now, the risk appetite swing back around uh, in a broader market sense, where people go, Okay, there are space companies out there. They're, you know, risky in each and their own way. And so, understanding, trying first, taking the time to understand how the risks that face like Astra are different than the risks that face Planet, and then also on top of that, going and being like, oh, hey, this company is pulling more than a hundred million dollars in revenue a year and stuff like that, right? Like trying to get deeper into why they see value there. So. That being more widespread, I think, is a slow burn idea. And I'm curious to see if there's like an inflection, a momentum point where more and more investors come to the table and are like, oh, yeah, like we want to do space stocks again because we were super jazzed about it a couple of years ago. And now we're really trying to like build on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. I find interesting about those companies is that their their fundamental product is something that retains value like their the the immediacy of their imagery is certainly valuable but now that they have like it's not like they're deleting their images from four years ago like they have this mm-hmm. huge archive now of historical imagery and that that gets its own value in, in another way when people want yeah. to look at trends over time and and look at like you know climate analytics and and there's so many things that become valuable once you have 10 years of data and 20 years of data and and so the stuff they're doing now they're making money off because it's immediate. And then the stuff that they're gathering over all that time eventually will retain value, value as well. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it just feels like one of those instances that the the core product is valuable and hard to replicate and launch is just a really not good money-making commodity. It's a at commodity, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's tough. So it's like, it's a um, but I understand free. that it I takes mean, time for people to realize yeah. that that value because most of us are just like, well, I've used Google Google Earth before. Like, why would I need other pictures of Earth? Like, I, they all exist. They're on Google Earth. Yeah, you know? when, when Planet releases their 25 anniversary, like, look at, look at you know, how Washington, D.C. has grown over 25 years. It was, and they're one of those, like, time-lapse <laughs> things, you know? that's going to be like wild we're going to have products like that and they can do that anywhere in the world like they'll be able to yeah. just like show you like hey you want to see what your family farm has looked like for the last hundred years let's go bam here you go sell that for a hundred bucks for your your grandpa's <laughs> memento or something and like there's like there's retail products they can do there it's cool stuff yeah it definitely like adds different um uh you know different kinds of value over time it's like compounding value it's pretty good Okay, now I got to buy plant stocks. Thank you. Okay, <laughs> He's back into stocks, baby. <laughs> I, just, I just talked myself into buying more plant stocks. Hey, I'll, I'll just say, Jake, that I uh, I don't own individual stocks either, uh, as you might guess. Yeah, yeah, totally. yeah. I imagine that would not be uh, in your interest. A different yeah. reason than Jake was just not good at it, though. Because if, yeah. <laughs> if Jake was good at it, he'd still I own individual stocks. Hey, jury's out. I, I could still also it. not be good at it. So I am not putting any unproven. shade on Jake here. <laughs> Yeah. I've decided that market index fund does really well for me. And I'm really happy with that one. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I think that's the, the fundamental question. And then also is that that customer acquisition cost is a really challenging part of those other companies' strategies. And people love to talk about like, oh, they're going to build this constellation of X number of satellites going to cost how much per satellite. Like, you know, that's like the really nitty gritty, like hard thing that you can quantify pretty easily based off of like how much it costs to build a satellite and a sensor and blah, blah, blah. And like buy a launch, but like how much it takes money wise to like hire a salesperson to sell into Brazil 
and how much time it takes to acquire the customers in Brazil and how much the people in Brazil are willing to pay for, you know, agricultural, you know, monitoring services or whatever, right? Like those questions and you start getting into them are much harder in the like the longer burn behind a lot of those businesses. That is a really hard question. And I do not envy like their, um, you know, execution task in front of them there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, should we it's talk just about not as the, sexy uh, as fire and you know and rocket engines? So let's go <laughs> right back there. <laughs> uh, so Eric Berger had an interesting story last week. Uh, I should pull it up. That people are starting to talk about uh, ULA being. I almost said Aerojet Rocketdyne because that was the last time that this happened. But that ULA <laughs> is back on the market, uh, as it were, and. We have not kicked this story around yet, Jake. No, we haven't. No, uh, I do need to pull up uh, while while you give me your take on this, Jake. I'm going to pull up your excellent uh, AI work <laughs> that you did on this story as well. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. oh no! So oh, give me a goodness. minute on okay, that. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> what do you make uh, of this, Jake? Okay, well, I want to just add a disclaimer that my AI work does <laughs> not reflect my actual prediction on what will happen. <laughs> I just want to level set exactly what we're talking about there. But, but hey, you never know. I could be wrong. I've been wrong lots. So, um, no, I don't know. I, it's it's super interesting. This so the story is really interesting to me because though you know, like immediately people were just like, "Who's buying ULA? Like who who went to ULA?" And the, and but if you go to the story, of course, it's like they're shopping it around. They're looking for buyers. They're like presenting this as an offer. So like it's for sale. It's not being bought. Um, and I think that like regardless of who buys it, I think this, there's a big story just behind that, right? Like because ULA is a partnership. It's Boeing, it's Lockheed Martin, 50-50, and I, you know, they both have to agree to sell it. So that means that before, at least one of them didn't agree, and now both of them agree. And finding out which one said yes and which or, one said or no. Or one agreed and the other one said yes, we'll buy that in half too. Or that as well, right? So there's yeah. like there's a really interesting dynamic there to unpack that I'm really ex- interested to see. But uh, real quick, here's so this is this the lead image. Well, if you love this photo, just you wait. <laughs> <laughs> So this is the classic photo of uh, Tori Bruno having purchased all the BE4s, and this was in 2014. Uh, and Jake's taken it and just riffed on it a little bit and turned them into Batman and Robin. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, this is just an incredible wow. piece of work, Jake. I would like to, for one minute, unpack the process that you went through to get to this image. Take what, five minutes. Come yeah, on. What? First of all, what the hell? Second of all, how did you do it? <laughs> you know what? I, I'm not like I'm not an AI guy. I don't really know this stuff, but I I think I just looked up. Is it stable diffusion? Is that a thing? Okay, this um, is a stable diffusion situation. Stable diffusion online, yeah. And it was like I don't know. I just played around <laughs> with the prompts until I found one I liked. You know, like like whatever else does in AI, they just click it until something funny happens, and then they tweet about it. That's the value of AI. You know, like it's 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 for amusement. Yeah, that's the smart side of this. Okay. So, but. Yeah, when you said AI for the first time, I thought you meant you put uh, Eric's story through ChatGPT and then came up with like, like the fifth iteration, like kind of like putting something through Google Translate like five times until it doesn't make sense anymore. That's what I was expecting was like some sort of like wild interpretation of like who's gonna buy ULA. But this is way better. This is so good. Yeah, so that's all the podcast listeners, you're missing out. You need yep. to come over to YouTube and look at that one because it's a really good yep, picture. There it is. That's wow, that's a gem. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so yeah, uh, I may come back to you for um, licensing uh, for that photo <laughs> if I can yeah, figure out who's going to buy it. Yeah, you can have. You know, I didn't make it. AI made it. <laughs> well, we'll see what the Supreme Court says, Jake. Yeah, I'm yeah, saying. that's okay. it. This will be. <laughs> State of New York versus or, Michael Sheets and Jake Shannon. Robbins. Yeah. It'll be like you two will be in a Supreme Court case over this. They won't I've been, I've been to the New York issues. Supreme Court. It's actually pretty nice. <laughs> it's actually pretty nice. Good to know. <laughs> yeah. Did you this think case, it was like kind of shit before? Look, <laughs> like, some courtrooms aren't as nice as yeah, other ones. Be so I mean, yeah. uh, like I'm just trying to reassure Jake and just be like, we're gonna have a good time. <laughs> Oh, It'll okay, be totally a legit that. place to hang out, Jake. Anyway, yeah. Michael, who the hell's buying ULA? And oh. uh, also, how does this intersect things that you analyze? Because many of the buyers that I have in mind are public companies. Amazon, Lockheed Martin, 
Northrop Grumman. I think L3 is public, right? I, they better yeah. be. They're huge. Pretty much all of the options that are out there, except Blue Origin, which is the least likely option of all time, uh, in my opinion, are public. So will people care about this outside of our little nerd sphere, or is this going to be like a non-story? Uh, so first of all, I can tell you that by the reaction to Eric's story, which is a great scoop, like, you know, that's a great story to get. And I was incredibly jealous when I saw him publish it because I was like, damn, like (laughs) I've been calling the wrong people this last week. Um, but, uh, no, like I think, I think it matters clearly beyond like just the industry because people who even just pay attention to like aerospace and defense, like are interested in the outcome of, you know, this potential sale. So that being said, I think that's the thing that I've been pursuing since the story dropped is, okay, not just, you know, who potential buyers are, but like who's seriously considering it. And I think that's the thing that I, if you look at like a a sale process like this, who received those pitches um, from Morgan Stanley and Bain and was like, oh, okay, yeah, let's have a follow-up meeting. And so I, I, that's what I want to try to figure out is, you know, not just who it's been sent to, because we can guess the likely suspects of, you know, who out there might be set, like talking about it. I, I think there's an important thing to consider as well on the regulatory side of things, too, which is that the FTC hasn't taken super kindly to like primes buying stuff like this, as we saw with Lockheed and Aerojet and why L3 is buying Aerojet, right? And so yeah. And that that deal's not even closed yet either. Like ostensibly, it looks like it's moving along well, but maybe it gets runs into some regulatory hurdles. We'll we'll see. Um, so I think like all those are good questions to be asking. I'm curious because of uh, Advent making it deal with Maxar as a private equity shop to come in and be like, hey, we think that this is a valuable space asset. One that two, our capital and like our you know, overview can really bring more value out of in the private world. I think that's a really fascinating potential for like maybe private equity, you know, shops are sniffing around at this. Um, One thing that's really fascinating, I think, is also the timing of this because, you know, Tori's tweeting pictures right now of Vulcan gleaming red and beautiful and proud, <laughs> you know, and, and the development for that rocket is largely paid for at this point. And you have, and I've, I've toured ULA's facilities down at the Cape, uh, you know, I've driven by them down in, in Alabama and everything like that. Like it's, it's an incredibly impressive infrastructure that's very, very valuable. So there's a number of, thank you for the, the tweet photo. Oh, yeah. it's, I mean, like, come on. Crystal clear Listen, skies. I'm never going to deny an opportunity to put the evil Knievel rocket on the screen. This thing's ridiculous. <laughs> it's so cool. It's a ridiculous paint job. <laughs> it's like... It's so cool. I love <laughs> it. I think one of his tweets was like, isn't this the most beautiful... Uh, isn't this the prettiest rocket I've ever seen? I'm like, I don't know, man. That's a pretty... Uh, that's a ridiculous paint job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so I, I'm just saying that like be, even beyond... Like, oh, the question of Boeing and Lockheed coming to the table and being like, "Here, here's the price we'll sell our stakes in ULA for. And whether or not one of the other might be the ones that buys them out. Um, I think the question of like, how valuable is everything that ULA has right now uh, is a great one. I mean, you're talking about a company that has... Uh, you know, B4s are showing up on the doorstep, Vulcan's out there ready to roll, and you've got the biggest commercial launch deal in history already signed and done with Amazon. So it's a fascinating, you know, and, prospect. And you're putting in a bid for, at the end of this year for the next round of national security space launch stuff as well. So, yeah. Like before so, that closes, that'll probably, they'll have put a bid in for that, likely winning a good portion of it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that that's the thing I'm chasing. I'll be, I'll be very frank of like trying to figure out not just who's being like told about this deal and being like, hey, like check it out, but also who's actually seriously considering it because um, that's I um, mean, and, and how much they'd be willing to pay. Like how much is yeah. Bill and Boeing and Lockheed willing to walk away from something that from – my perspective, maybe, you know, both of them would be would rather own it internally and be like, this is all of our, you know, this is my baby, not our joint custody baby. But like, we like, we can clearly look at ULA and where they are and what Tori's done in development and, and say like, yeah, there's quite a lot of value here. 
Hmm. My order is this is the order that makes most sense to me, and I hmm. wish it. I my personal wish is that it would go in the opposite order. Would be Lockheed Martin makes the most sense to me. Uh, private equity makes the second most sense, and then Amazon makes the most tactical sense, but is unlikely. But it's the one I put a bet on in uh, the Discord, Jake. So don't don't be uh, don't be harsh on that because I wish oh it was the gosh. opposite order. The Discord. That... I got to talk to you guys about that because I have never really leveraged Discord for my reporting before. Which, <laughs> granted, I don't know if the off-nominal Discord's probably you, the best place for be productive reporting. <laughs> you we would have some be great shocked. memes. Great memes in there. We have great memes and shockingly That's good most people. Of reporting yeah. is. Yeah, I mean, you yeah, would have we, had the Batman and Robin picture before this podcast. Yeah, so. like days ago. Days ago. <laughs> oh, so. come on. These are scoops I got to get. <laughs> Jake's AI work is uh, uh, is up to be had. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, uh, no, I just had an amazing vision of, you know, like the Amazon Prime Air planes, but Vulcan with that livery. Could you quick Photoshop like a Prime Air livery Jake, get, on the Vulcan? Fusion real quick. <laughs> That's a believable oh, thing. I've seen I've seen yeah. trucks. I've seen the new Rivian Amazon trucks are driving around Philly now, oh, which yeah, is making some, me just super jealous. Too. I'm dying for Airplanes. a Rivian and Are there Amazon boats yet to like bring stuff over? I don't know, if, they from I don't know if they've gotten into drug smuggling. Yeah. Amazon container <laughs> ship. <laughs> Maybe they have. I don't know. It's Amazon, be Amazon container containers, ship. That's the one. Right? Yeah, that's yeah. the one. Yeah, that's are the there one. Amazon containers? Probably not. There's gotta be. I don't think I haven't seen any. There's plenty of trucks on the road, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it, it is honestly so interesting. I, the like, Amazon I'm math like, uh, makes sense. It's all it, saying. It, it kind of does. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like obsessed with this. Story. This is like my favorite story of the year. <laughs> I think I'm, I really love the, just the, I, I don't want anyone to actually pull the trigger. I just want to speculate on this forever. It's going to be fun. You're not going to give me nine months to try to like find a better scoop. You're just like done. 2023 is over. Go home. Stop publishing. Eric Berger gets the trophy. We're done. Pack it until 2024. Give it to Eric. We'll walk out of here. Yeah. No, no. It's just, it's just very interesting because like no, no matter who buys it, like it, you can put all the, all the, possibilities on the board you can do a Lockheed buyout or a Boeing buyout you can do a private equity you can do a, a, a an interesting player like Amazon or Apple or you can have Blue Origin come in and decide to, to, to buy their engine contract back or there's like a, all these different possibilities and they have you know varying chances of success no matter which one it is it is a really interesting story that follows after that like it's totally just, yeah it's just it's just good from a from a like a quality of juicy news standpoint. Like we get to have oh, a yeah. great year. Like no matter what, I'm just so excited about it. Multiple shows. You took pick the wrong year to cancel your podcast, Jake. I know, I know, I know. That's how it goes. But now I can I can just talk what, about this every you, week. I'm going to bring where, up the ULA deal. At, by the way, like you haven't even. I don't actually know what you think at the, about this, Jake. Like who's going to do it? Uh, yeah, I, I think, I think mm, my list is pretty close to yours. Like I think Lockheed. It's definitely not Boeing. Um, I think yeah. if, if one of the parents is buying it, Lo Lockheed's paying Boeing for their half uh, because Lockheed is interested in launch and Boeing is interested in money. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just in sort of where they're at right now. Uh, the private equity thing, I think, is pretty high on the list. I might even place that higher than Lockheed, like just some unknown. Like it's going to be like, you know, like Watson and Johnson firm from it's, I've never heard oh. of them. And they're just like some group that has hundred billion dollars sitting in a bank account, you know, like one of these kind of people. Um, I have a question: if that but, if oh. that came to fruition, would that would that look like this? <laughs> it might. It might. <laughs> this should be the announcement yeah. image. Yes. Yeah. Bruce Wayne Incorporated. That's Watson and Johnson and then, right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that's probably likely. I I'm not buying the Amazon or definitely not Blue Origin. Um, I I think that's not as likely as some people have said it is. Even though I made the Batman and Robin meme. Um, I don't know. I just like. Okay, so Amazon, it's like, do they really want to get into that? I maybe like I can kind of see. I don't think so, but, but the math makes sense. It's like one billion more dollars to own yeah, the thing kind of makes sense. versus what they're but already paying gotta, for the rest of the. Then stuff. you got to own the thing, though, you know. So yeah, but they own uh, Whole Foods and Eero and Ring yeah. and all this other stuff. Like Whole Foods itself was a fourteen billion dollar acquisition. Yeah, but it's this just is, retail. This is like, one third hard. the size of Whole Foods. It's it's just retail though. I'm like, just saying. Like, I think it, a lot of us think this is a way bigger acquisition than it really is. Is is it my is point? Small, yes, yes. But but what I'm saying though is that like buying Whole Foods is like an is like a pretty natural extension of their core business already. You know, if they're of if a they're, website that sells books. 
of a retail company. A yes, retail company. Yeah. Okay. How about doorbells? <laughs> how do they, how do you feel about doorbells? If how we're do you selling feel them, about it's buying it's a, airplanes. <laughs> have you ever bought an airplane, Jake? <laughs> no, I've never bought no. an airplane. Have you ever potentially bought uh, it, routers that 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 send people internets over their air in their house? That seems like a pretty diverse business. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just saying that the list of acquisitions recently are very. Amazon does not like they're an infrastructure company. They also sell books, but they run mm-hmm. half the internet. I think if they are interested in what the infrastructure of the future is, getting their own satellites up seems like a pretty integral part of running a business to them. Yeah, I think that point makes sense. I just I just don't think it's enough. That's my, that's kind of where I always stand on it. Like I think I think if you're looking at that, you're saying like I already bought all the rides for like the the core of the constellation. So like do I really want to buy a rocket company for the maintenance after? I don't know. I maybe, maybe. It's a pretty yeah. long-term play and I don't know. So I, I'm I'm skeptical on the Amazon bid. But. The private equity one is just disappointingly boring to me. It is. It's super boring. They're yeah. just going to ring the, the cash out That's the only one that doesn't, doesn't, doesn't like, like make my, my thing come true. Yeah. <laughs> because what are these scenarios lets us see Tori Bruno in his like unencumbered form? That's that's really what I wish we got to see. Yeah. Well, and maybe private equity is that. Maybe that's like know. someone who's just like, Tori's pretty great and he's been handcuffed by the parents. Like, what if we bought his company and gave him an extra couple of bill a year to, to do development stuff? And hey, Tori, what would you do? And then he's like, he just his brain just, just goes into, you know, fireworks mode and he gets to do all of his crazy cislunar 9 million stuff or whatever it is, right? He has been at like, Lockheed since like before I was alive. So he's a Lockheed company man. So if, if is, Lockheed yeah. bought it, I don't know that he would not have freedom. Yeah, if Lockheed buys it, Maybe. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. yeah. Michael. Well, <laughs> that was our rest. Who's buying this? Yeah. <laughs> I forgot I mean, we had a guest here. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it'll be fascinating, and I'm I'm mostly trying to sort out, like, is a great example. Yeah, like, L- Tori comes from Lockheed. Does Lockheed step in and, and take over and be like, hey, we'll, we'll pay a big premium Boeing, thanks for the work that we've done together. We want to, I mean, even, I can't remember what call it was. It was a Q3 call, I want to say, in like 2020 or 2021, where Lockheed on their like quarterly earnings call mentioned SpaceX for, I think, the first time ever and was like, this is eating at our ULA equity-like growth. And it was this kind of like, wow, okay, they're like willing to like kind of say that quiet part out loud. Hmm. And so yeah. maybe maybe they would be willing to pay up for it to like see if they can drive it further and, and really step in. Um, but we we will see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting because I I don't know. It's like you also have to. I mean, as much as I love Tori and I have like such a like an emotional attachment to like you know Atlas Rockets and, and everything that company like has done and what it stands for, you also have to like really ask yourself the business. Like, is it how much is it worth? I was like, well. You know, okay, so it's got some like guaranteed contracts now, but it's like from a marketing standpoint, the rocket has a, a few challenges, right? Just in terms of like staying competitive with with the the big gorilla in the room. Um, so, if you try to, I, and I hope that anyone who's buying a company for that, you know, for seven figures is or not seven, not ten figures is, you know, thinking <laughs> seven that would be great. Drop some, drop some zeros there. Anyone who's buying, I'm going on a, with I, you guys if it was seven. yeah, we can yeah, kickstart if that. It's seven, let's go for it, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, if you're buying anything for for ten figures, you're you're probably asking those questions with a lot of skepticism and really trying to get to the bottom of it, right? And I don't, I don't, I'm curious to know who gets to the the end of that question with ULA and is like, yeah, I'm ready, like, and what they want yeah. to do with it, like, what conditions that comes with, right? It's kind of interesting, especially so. the 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 commercial viability of Vulcan is not clear. Like the that's what I'm saying. The, yeah, the like Amazon one, the ones that Amazon bought are the ones with six solid rocket boosters. So. I don't know cheap. what the price is for that, but it's like <laughs> yeah. a Falcon Heavy per launch. They got Northrop Grumman money in there now. Yeah, yeah so not like, be. that's not cheap and and not really something that I would see them selling on the commercial market in five well, years and that's, a viable product. That's one of the things that drives me away from the Amazon bid, because if you're talking about trying to own the infrastructure and, and be vertically integrated, like you really want to buy a rocket where you own the metal cylinder and all the other parts get bought from other co- contractors, like is it really that big of a... A jump, you know, the engines, yeah. both the upper stage and the lower stage, and the solid rocket boosters—they totally. all come from vendors, right? But Even I think the fair, um, I, my like only argument about that is that the 
without it, they are at the whim of whatever the most viable launch company wants to give them a term sheet for, you know, like yeah. Yeah. if Which, they are to be fair, going last year, like three of them stepped up and gave them term sheets. They clearly accepted. So like, but they weren't the I, ones like, that could really turn the screws on them in five or 10 years when they need to like put up their second gen or replenish their constellation, you know, yeah. like that's, right. they're, yeah. they're, they, they picked the ones that they had the most leverage over. And it, it's a bet that you'll always have people that you can have leverage over that still exist in the industry. Mm-hmm. So that's the that's the part that if I'm Amazon, I'm I'm concerned about that every single day that that Kuiper is on like my number one priority list. Yeah, yeah. Amazon, All call right. me if you need someone to run your new rocket company. <laughs> <laughs> I will sell out in a minute. <laughs> Sorry, Jake. You guys can do the show from now on. <laughs> first, first thing I would do is get a new paint job for Vulcan. Yeah, all new paint job. Yeah, yeah. It matches yeah. your shirt. What are you going to... Come on. Yeah, well, it doesn't exactly have the Phillies logo on it, but <laughs> that would be fine you by me. You put the Phillies logo on it. <laughs> Listen, day one, Phillies <laughs> have a Bryce Harper face on the rocket. It would be great. Oh, my, shirt's got okay. the, my shirt's got the other guy on it, so yeah. it's, it's not going to be that. It's, <laughs> it's not right, that one. Last few minutes, what's going to be... Get, put on your conjecture hat for us and tell us how exactly Virgin Orbit is going to go out of business. Oh God! Um, I hate telling you what companies are going out of business. Like, but I think it's that's just, my you least know, favorite part even, of like reporting. These no, little I, I investments think, of Richard Branson are not exactly like leaving us with a lot of doubt, right? Well, yeah, I think they should be like. I'm helping you look at it and be like, uh, this. Okay, how do they move forward from here? And I think the timing of the launch failure. I mean, you're talking about something that could have been worse for their prospects of like, say, raising money, etc. Um, I, I, I don't know if they would say delist, you know, bankruptcy, whatever, before they get acquired by somebody. I think it's clear. One of the interesting things about the whole discussion with Virgin Orbit, I think is the relationship that Branson like really pioneered with a lot of the folks within the department of defense and how jazz so many of them were about the capability that the launch platform that they built offered as opposed to like what Pegasus did before or something like that. So I, I could really see someone coming in and being like, Hey, we'll take it for pennies on the dollar and we'll keep it going. Um, I don't, know if that's happening anytime soon i don't know if that discussion's already begun or not but i i i'm very curious because i think a lot of people will be watching for when astra and virgin orbit reports their q4 of what they're saying about their future and like how long that they have and and what their prospects are i i think one important thing to consider is that companies who are maybe struggling or running out of cash you don't don't really see it until all of a sudden that day just comes. It usually runs into you like a wall because the entire point is to keep things operating as smoothly as possible, keep hiring, keep moving things along uh, until there's a point of no return. And so I think you'd very much see that with, you know, and I'm not trying to single out either of these companies, but, but I think you could see that where you know, they're going to keep telling you like, hey, we're moving forward. Here's the progress that we're making. And they absolutely should do that. But I, you're, we're not going to see it until it's like on the week that it happens that like, mm-hmm. you know, shit's really hitting the fan. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Now, who's, who's going to buy this rocket company, Jake? <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, it's got to be Boeing because it's already a Boeing first Private stage. equity or Amazon in my bed. <laughs> Let <laughs> me keep the same bet line. How many Kuiper satellites can you launch on Launcher One? Someone uh, can figure that one. out, please. I don't know. They're yeah, having problems yeah. with the performance. <laughs> this, it's one a, it's look, you, got, you got to look at it as a chance to do orbital assembly. That's really what you need. <laughs> 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 That's one half the satellite on one Launcher One, and the other half on the other, and just just meet in orbit and attach. The only the just, only one that would have made more sense like a year or two ago would be Northrop Grumman being like. Wow, that is cheaper than that old plane that we have. Like that, that old one. Well, we can't even get parts for that thing anymore. This, this one, there's parts. But for. they did the Firefly deal, so like they're off the yeah. table. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. 
They're the only other ones that have sold air launch. So (laughs) can you put a Firefly rocket underneath the wing of a 747? Are are you Paul Allen? Is this strata launch again? (laughs) Here's a new visualization of every rocket under a giant airplane. How about this one? No. Okay. How about this one? No. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I still think like the Falcon Air is like one of the best names for a rocket I've ever heard in my life. Falcon Air. Yeah, there's a lot like of that thing, you could the, call that. The whole and like straddle launch partnership with SpaceX oh, yeah. for launching a Falcon 9 underneath the, like the straddle launch airplane, like that would have been nuts. And the fact that it was called like Falcon Air, I mean, like, come on, that would have been yeah, this wild. One, it is like the funniest visualization. Like, I'm pretty sure Jake <laughs> made this one in Stable Diffusion. <laughs> <laughs> he probably did. Yeah, oh, like that, I think that was that was that a Falcon was 5 back in the day. Looks uh, like I it. think so. I think it was like a variation of the five. Yeah. Classic. That's some classic stuff right there. Yeah. <laughs> it, anyway. it, it always brings to mind, like when I'm getting, you know, pitched some company's announcement and they send me a rendering of what they're building and stuff like that. Uh, it always makes me wonder of like, what is the thing that right now I'm looking at my inbox that like eight years from now, I'm going to look back and be like, wow, that was nuts. <laughs> <laughs> what a dumb idea. <laughs> Because, like, I know there are going to be some, and I think that's the fun part of my job is the fact that, like, you have this kind of current, like, never-ending catalog of history that you're building. And I I love that part of it because I even today I looked back. So I, I wrote my newsletter today about, um, you know, debut launch failures. And I interviewed George Neild, who obviously is, like, when you talk about people who understand, like, risk and, you know, space flight safety and stuff, there's no one really much better out there. And... I was thinking about it and I was talking to my editor and I was like, you know, like one of the first stories I ever wrote on space was an interview with George Neal. And so like back in 2017, I wrote a story about the FAA and like licensing spaceports. And he was like one of the first people who ever picked up the phone when I was like this young newbie reporter just bumbling around trying to get interviews with space executives. And like George called me back and like the amount of patience he had, the amount of like, you know, the time he took to really like walk me through it and help me understand like to this day, like forever grateful for that. All right. We should have him on the show, Jake. That would be I was good. Say, he also yeah. went to space. Just, so just yeah. writing that one down. Uh, like, uh, yeah, NASA, like he's on the ASAP panel right now. He's, you know, he's gone to space as an astronaut himself. He led the FAA space office. Like the dude's resume is amazing. Yeah. yeah. And he'll call <laughs> us back because we're some newbie startups. So that'd be great. <laughs> We're not, we're not newbie startups, know, Anthony. We, 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 we had CNBC on the phone in like 12, 24 hours. That's okay, true. <laughs> that is a good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've had two That's scoops. That's the clout you need so, in life. Yeah. Yeah. Two scoops. <laughs> Eric Berger's birthday and uh, the Tom Cruise <laughs> thing that will never exist because it was scooped on the show. <laughs> two scoops of raisins, man. That's us. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, the raisin uh, brand guy. <laughs> Michael, where can people find you or follow you if they are not partaking in the oh, Sheets man. tweets? Uh, f- yeah, primarily uh, is my newsletter, which uh, goes out every Thursday morning. We try to do it like late morning Eastern time so that people on the West Coast aren't like looking for their 4 a.m. email from me. Um, so that's the biggest way really trying to build that as much as I can. That's been a big focus. We've had a lot of success with it. I've been like Honestly, like, it surpassed my wildest imagination of how much people seem to enjoy it and, like, the opportunities it provides for me to really try to challenge myself and, and think about things in new ways. So that's the biggest way. So CNBC Space Newsletter, just Google that. You'll find it. Or, or bang it with chat GPT, I guess. Um, <laughs> the, what a sense. I, like, we got like, to start changing, apparently, the ways we talk about search engines. It's, it's kind of like personally frustrating because no, you just no, you throw away Google. I'm good yeah. if that's the only time I ever heard anyone say bing it with chat GPD. <laughs> I'm totally fine if that's the only time. <laughs> oh, man. That's... Oh. Yeah, that burns personally. Um, <laughs> it's not your uh, fault that he, they gave him ridiculous names. That's fair. Uh, Twitter, at the Sheets tweets. Uh, you know, you can find these guys tagging me and in, in last minute podcasts and, um, you can find me on post, which is a great little social media st- uh, site. 
Uh, same thing, Michael Sheets. Uh, LinkedIn, you can follow me there. Michael Sheets, same name, same place, everywhere you look. Uh, if you DM me or like email me for my signal number, I'll probably give it to you uh, so that you know people can contact me that way. Um, and we can on maybe foray on <laughs> yeah. the uh, the nominal Discord. Question yes, mark? we'll You're be in, in touch. Yeah, There's yeah. some intel you need on that. So <laughs> I think some memes I need to be seeing. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I guess Jake, that means we should plug it too, right? We should probably yeah, say, I was that if, say you, if you tell people if about you that. Want, if you want to come and hang out with Michael Sheets and support Lori Mom's Lori McCarver's mom's favorite podcast, <laughs> um, you definitely want to uh, head over to Discord, offnom.com/discord. Uh, uh, Never fly ride share. That's, That's the right. cool club because you don't you don't. Uh, tolerate anything less than a dedicated launch That's i right. realized there is one uh one never fly ride share we forgot to shout out though so we oh. should probably do that now yeah it was benjamin because i think he like snuck it in like right when we were first launching it and i didn't see it so i think he might be the og never fly ride share anyway oh, but wow. thank you benjamin for for helping us out with that one nice yeah yeah uh i got nothing well i have stuff to plug but the only thing i'm gonna mention jake is that i'm gonna be at space symposium and more details coming on that so if you're yeah. there let me know if you're gonna be there because i got some things in planning cool sweet i'm excited i'll be, be there sweet well I'll, i will probably be in touch about that then <laughs> sweet awesome <laughs> okay great. you guys going to space prom tomorrow no oh damn no, no. look if you jake, can get me Jake's on the show in 24 accessible. hours you can get an invite to space prom that's true. What what is space prom? <laughs> oh come on the 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 uh, Goddard Memorial Dinner down in DC. Every everyone year. gets fancy like, and yeah. everyone gets God. fancy. Some people wear ridiculous outfits, and it's apparently a great time. This is my first time going, and I'm super excited. So going down. Nice. If you need a last minute date, I'll uh, you can pick me up on the way. So it'd be great. <laughs> Swing through Philly real quick on my <laughs> on 4 a.m. train stop. tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, you'll be here, so you know. And Joe yeah. Biden's in town today, so every, everything should be running real smooth. <laughs> <laughs> he did fly about 100 feet over my house earlier. It was pretty epic. So anyway, this is the weirdest ending of this podcast of all time. So I'm going to leave it there. <laughs> See everyone. Michael, thanks for hanging out. Bye, everybody. Thank you, Michael. Thanks, guys. See ya. One, two, three, four, five, five, four, three, two, one. End of test.